0: Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with our friend, Dick Foth, as we spend some time on Back Channel with Foth. And then we'll jump into our interview today with Dr. Chip Dodd, where we discuss his spiritual root system, core feelings, and um, his wisdom and insight um, with, uh, with Chip Dodd. But before that, we're so excited to be with Dick. And uh, Dick, welcome back to the Clarity Podcast.
1: Thanks, Aaron. Always
0: joy. Dick, I got some questions for you here today. Um, the first question is, uh, how do you encourage people in in power and places of influence to be authentic when their world is about perception
2: management?
1: You know, that's a tremendous question because uh, all of us are about perception management, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple of things that, that uh, if, if leaders today are looking at followers or looking at audience and are serious about it, they will know, especially, especially this is true of younger people on the front burner, it's on mm-hmm. their front burners, but I think it's true of all human beings, that there are a couple of things that the world longs for especially today in the world of spinmeisters and smoke and mirrors yeah. and whatever and that is authenticity and vulnerability hmm. and authenticity and vulnerability are rooted in one place and that's uh in truth yeah okay and uh, the being authentic being a truth teller is learned behavior. Hmm. I mean, most of what we do yeah. is learned behavior, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, somebody goes off the rails in a situation. Let's say you're hmm. in a meeting. Somebody has a much stronger reaction to something than the rest of the group. Um, you say, boy, where did that come from? Somebody hmm. burned the toast this morning or what, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> and so... So authenticity is learned behavior. Secondly, and the, and the leaders that I know who are, the, who are the most authentic, and I'm talking now about whether it's leaders in a home or leaders in a congregation or a local level or a missions yeah. organization or on the national or international stage. Yeah. If, if they had a mentor, hmm. whomever that was, who was authentic, whether it was a parent or an older business leader, whatever, then they tend to pick up that behavior. Secondly, part of authenticity is the willingness to say, I don't know. Hmm. I got trapped many times in my early years trying to bluff Hmm. and it didn't work. It didn't work. (laughs) so not only are you wrong then you have to admit you're wrong and you really screwed things up and so just say i don't know yeah and you can say i don't know followed by but i would cert- i will certainly try to find out yeah. or can you help me with that yeah and i when i listen to somebody say i don't know i love that yeah because the fact is all of us are ignorant just yeah. in different places at different <laughs> times on different uh, True. Okay, And um, one of the moments for me, and I'll hurry with this answer, last March, mm-hmm. just the week COVID hit, I was at an event um, in California where I had been asked and given the privilege of having a conversation, public conversation, with um, former President George W. Bush. And um, he wrote a book just a couple of years after he left the White House, where he talked about his decision-making, I think it's called Decision Point, Mm -hmm. and talking about the whole uh, involvement with Iraq, 9-11, all of that. And what was fascinating about that book was how much he owned. Said, we made those decisions, it was on this basis, you do it on the best information you have, but he owned it. And yeah. he said, looking back on this or that, that was probably not the best, That wasn't the best decision, but he owned it. And there was something you could tell from the crowd. There was something so authentic about him owning it. Yeah. That, uh, as a leader, that provides tremendous credibility. So- That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Dick, the second question uh, sent in is: <clears throat> What do you do if a friend? Um, feels threatened by having an authentic relationship with a, with another friend, whether that's a guy, a girl, or, or
1: whatever. This is where I say, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: set us up, Dick. You
3: told us.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, I think, first of all, I don't know if the question is coming from a woman or coming from a man. Yeah. But, um, if, if one friend feels threatened by someone having a friendship with another person, um, generally that speaks to control, hmm. um, my experience. Yeah. And um, a real friend encourages their friends to have other friends. Yeah. You know, once you become mine, and we aren't talking now about marriage, we're, <clears throat> we're talking about friendship, exactly. Once you, once you, um, once I see you as my property, if I can yeah. put it rashly, yeah, then we're done. Yeah. We're we're done before we start because then it becomes manipulative or passive aggressive, whatever psychological language you want to use. Yeah. So, um, if if I feel like I've been I'm in competition for your friendship. That's not a good place to be. And that says something about me more yeah. than it says about you. Let me just say something about guy friendships. Yeah. If I, cause I know more about guy friendships. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, man to man is one of the most powerful, um, kinds of friendships. I think that one can have, hmm. um, let me put it this way, some years ago, and I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, some years ago, I knew the um, the chaplain for a group in the U.S. Army that is not listed on the Army rolls. they're called the Delta Force, and they're a hmm. strike force for a particular challenge. They're 300 men only. And when I asked them, how do you, I asked the chaplain, how do you work with guys who can kill you six ways from Sunday? <laughs> he said, well, you you need to understand that they have one question. And the question is, are you with us? Because wow. if you're not with us, you're the enemy. Wow. And I said, how would they describe themselves? <clears throat> and he said, um, warrior. Hmm. I said, how would you describe the relationship they have with each other? Because these are guys who drop in uh, halo landings, high altitude, low opening yeah. at night, behind enemy lines, the, the Pentagon... Call some snake eaters and water walkers and all that, and and they're totally dependent on each other for their lives. I said, "How would you describe their relationship?" And he paused a moment over breakfast and said, "Love." So mm-hmm. I said, "You work with warriors who love each other." I said, "Yep." And g- guys tend to make friendships this way. They tend to make friendships not sitting down over coffee, telling you their deepest needs or sordid sins or whatever. We tend to make friendships side by side. Yeah. We do stuff together. Yeah. We go hike, we hit the ball, we hunt, we do. And after a while, shoulder to shoulder and side by side can turn into face to face. But for most guys, it takes a time for that to uh, be uh, be transitioned to face to face. So sure. that's my observation.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Dick really appreciate it uh, appreciate the wisdom and and uh, the, the nuggets what gold nuggets you give us on these uh, times of back channel with both. We're gonna go ahead and jump in with our interview with Dr. Chip Dodd and um, discussing the spiritual root systems and core feelings and, and so much more. Well there's no time better than now to get started so here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a new friend, um, Chip Dodd, and I heard him on an interview on the Entree Leadership Podcast and um, his story, then I heard him share a story and then I bought his books and read his books and I thought, man, if he could come on, the, on our podcast, it would be phenomenal. So Chip, it is a joy and honor to have you with us today. Could you go ahead and inter- share a little bit about yourself um, for
4: the audience? Yes. Uh, thanks, Aaron. I, I love that, that just the opportunity to get to be with you today. It's wonderful. And to have opportunity to bring what I hope is, you know, redemptive influence, replenishing influence, recreational influence to these men and women out there who have on the front lines giving themselves over, even though we're all called to be ambassadors and missionaries. This is the real deal, you know. So <laughs> I'm so grateful to be, be with you today. Uh, Background, um, the simplest thing, the the official uh, license uh, degree is a Ph.D. in counseling, but uh, through uh, Christ, recovery of my own heart, through educational influences, background, how I was raised, I ended up developing this thing called the Spiritual Root System in 1990. And uh, honestly, uh, I've got a backstory of of pain and, and redemption. But uh, mainly, I started applying the spiritual root system in the world of people in need Hmm. and people who are hurting and people who are struggling. And uh, it's a message to the heart versus an intellectual message to to work harder, be smarter. Wow. It's a message of neediness and surrender. Yeah. Which we find in the New Testament is all over the place. Those people most touched by Jesus were the ones who were open to needing him most, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I applied it out for 22 years. I, I started an addictions treatment center, mainly treating depression, anxiety, addiction, and professionals. Professionals meaning social servants, mm-hmm. medical people, yeah. uh, theological people, academics, uh, people, and law. And I'm telling you, these are the smartest, toughest guys in the world. And but they had lost heart. Wow! So this 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 thing, this spiritual root system, fit right in. And I'm telling you regeneration that was unbelievable Hmm. in the name of God. I mean, these guys had lost themselves. They'd lost others, lost marriages, lost God. And when the heart was reawakened and the cry out began to occur, well, guess what? (laughs) Reconnection began. So I'll stop with that. But that's what I've done most of my career. But I want to help people see who they're made to be as created by God so they can do what they're made to do. That's my main mission in life.
2: No, that's phenomenal.
0: And as I read your books, it, honestly, it was, it was light bulb moments for me and um, really valuable. And you've talked about the spiritual root system. Would you, would you take a few minutes and just share about the spiritual root system? Um, we'll put the links to your books all at the end. Um, okay. But Could you just, could you share just about the spiritual root system? Yeah. You
4: know, and funny thing is when I uh, really, when I came up with this, Idea. It's it's through education, but also experience and intuition, and I believe even uh, you know some illumination from God. But it turns out that when I invented it, so to speak, and all I did was simply speak what's in the Bible. That's all I did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it what it is. But a lot of ways, when we bring, if we don't bring the eyes of our heart to Scripture, we often will bring an intellectual prowess mm. that doesn't give us what we're looking for. Hmm. So I brought my heart to the scripture, and that's when it all opened up for me. But it turns out that over the past, um, really, 30 years, neuroscience has backed up what I was talking about (laughs) poetically. Yeah. So it turns out that really and truly human beings, this is the neuroscience now, that human beings are created to actually are in search of social connection Hmm. so they can have social contentment. Hmm. And what the spiritual root system says is that human beings are created as emotional and spiritual creatures hmm. created to live fully. But human beings can't find fulfillment except through relationship with their own needs, with others and God. Wow. And that creates the whole person who then turns around and goes out and does what they're made to do. And even the APGAR, you know, the you as a medical really? person, the APGAR, named after the obstetrician, her name was APGAR. But in the APGAR, which checks for the, uh, really the health of the infant, right. the, the newborn, right. there are three main things that are checked. One is, will the baby cry out? Mm-hmm. And that is, remember, this baby isn't thinking and isn't yeah. talking, right? There's no, it's <laughs> the executive function in front of lobes mush, right? <laughs> <laughs> but this, this creature has come out of the womb, already with knowledge, Hmm. but it's the knowledge that God put in this creature that is genetic and emotional and spiritual. And that little baby comes out crying out, which means expressing emotion, expressing neediness. And so if the child cries out, everybody goes, all right, great. We've got number one checked off. This is great. This child's okay. And then the second thing, will the child reach out? Hmm. Which means will the child reach for that which he or she is made to receive? And they're not reaching for food, not Hmm. yet. They're reaching for you. Mm. They're reaching for the caregiver. They're reaching the, for the one they've been looking for. And neuroscience actually says that we're born looking for who's looking for us. Wow. And, when, and a baby will touch like something, a physical something or you know a cup yeah. or a piece of steel or cloth, and it doesn't answer what it's looking for. But when they do this, hmm. and you've seen it so many yeah. times, that something happens. And we know that this human being is like a, a plug yeah, that hits the outlet like the baby is the lamp, yeah. and the caregiver is the, the outlet. Click, stuff turns on. Pulse yeah. rate, pulmonary respiration—you know the whole right. thing. Uh, skin tone, skin color, and so little sparkles go into the brain to, to begin to light up. Oxytocin is a, the the chemical of connection, and in that in the God gave us uh, is is occurs. And so then will the baby take in? Will the baby crave? Will the baby mm. eat? So will, will the child cry out, reach out, and, and take in? Yeah. And, and so they, we're born seeking relationships so we can grow into fruit bearers. Hmm. We, we start out as acorns made to be oak trees. That's right. You know, in terms of the Beatitudes and, and Isaiah 61 that Jesus called us to, to be oaks of righteousness. But so this little baby... Is literally emotional and spiritual, hungering for connection, and that baby finds it in relationship. And then we wind up doing what we're made to do, but relationship comes first. Yeah. So the spiritual root system has been like validated by neuroscience that human beings find fulfillment through relationship. Wow,
2: that's amazing. That the
4: brain is actually a relational seeking thing. Yeah.
0: And in the in the brain science, as you said, it's it's amazing. You know, when I went to school, um, I think I first took my first anatomy and physiology class in 1993. Even at that time, they were it was that the brain was static and it didn't change much. And just the how we've learned and grow that you know the brain is there with neuroplasticity, the neuro, the brain is developing. We can learn and develop, and it's it's phenomenal.
4: Yeah, and, and it can change, which means yeah. heal. That's right. When, and we carry the wounds of our lives in our hearts, and it turns out the heart is very connected to the emotional brain or the relational brain, Yeah. where long-term memories and feelings are wired together. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. It's an amazing time for that. Yeah. And, you that, know, neuroscience is proving what we've always known scripturally.
0: <laughs> and you talk about the, you shared about those wounds. Um, you know, and you and you talk about the connection between our wounds and the heart and the brain. And, um, you know, as we, before we got on the podcast, I shared that during this time of COVID, um, of families living overseas, there is, you've seen some tension in marriages and you share in the book about the idea of denying our wounds and um, rejecting our heart. How yeah. can that, how could that impact a marriage? You know, I think we're under stress because of the the situation that's going on globally, but how could denying our wounds and maybe rejecting our heart Impact a marriage that is already in a in a in a stressful time.
4: That you you said it so well that that we are literally are born for connection. Hmm. And you you've even seen there are times when you've been discouraged yourself, and a smile yeah. from someone you care about literally will shift discouragement to courage. Yeah, to feeling encouraged, which means that we've got a limited supply of courage in our in our hearts. And once it's poured out, we need to be refilled. But courage means full hearted participation. Hmm. It's not full mental activity. That's it means good. that you're all in with your hands, your head, and your heart. Yeah. But mo- many of us, as, as even as Christians, receive very little training in the heart uh, knowledge. Hmm. We get intellectual training, you know, hermeneutical, exegetical, exegetical training, right. Bible knowledge, uh, how to address wounds, uh, physical wounds, how to evangelize, but how to sustain it, how to persevere, how to maintain courage, how to stay connected, how to find replenishment, how to rest. Uh, very few of us get that background it's true. because those are, those are emotional matters. And so it's it's amazing that the word, the heart, and uh, in, in, uh, very often you know in the Old Testament, leb, leb, mm-hmm. is uh, the center of one's being, predominantly connected to feelings,
3: mm-hmm.
4: senses, and it turns out that human beings we are feeling creatures. This is what the spiritual root system. is. We have five roots. We we have the feeling scent, feelings. Mm-hmm. We have needs. We have desire. We have longings and we have hope. These are the five roots of the heart. Mm. And it starts with feelings. And God has given us, uh, Aaron, God has blessed us with eight core feelings, like primary colors, like musical notes, that eight core feelings to be able to live fully and handle life well, Mm. to air life well in a tragic place. Mm. And when people see the eight feelings, sadness, hurt, Loneliness, fear,
3: yeah.
4: anger, shame, guilt, and then glad. People yeah. go, How come seven bad ones? And <laughs> <nine>. <laughs> but the reality is, is that we, we, we're not home. I mean, the first two chapters of Genesis, they're fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. The last two chapters, Revelation, phenomenal. Thank God. Yeah. But everything in between is an honest, truthful story
2: yeah.
4: of uh, a love letter that we need to read from God to yeah. be with us in the struggle of this real difficult place. And so God has given us eight feelings to literally arouse us, to motivate us, to cry out, reach out, and take in. Isn't that something that we're never called to leave how we were born? In fact, I know I'm going on a bit, but if you look at Matthew 7, 7, 7-7, Jesus tells us, he's very direct, he tells us when you grow up, you need to ask so you can receive. Hmm. You need to seek so you can find. And you need to knock so the door will be opened unto you. In other words, he says, after you were a baby, I want you to grow up. I want you to keep crying out, which means yeah. asking so you yeah. can receive. I want you to keep reaching out, which means seeking so you can find. Yeah, And I want you to keep taking in, which means knock on the door, go get fed and take a doggy bag out and feed the world, you know? Yeah. That's good. So we're called to 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 continue to stay connected to how we're made. So loneliness, which a lot of people suffer everywhere. Yeah. Think about on the mission field with COVID. Yeah. A lot of people are shut off from uh, what they're called to do. But loneliness is a feeling that tells us we're made for relationship. Hmm. So it's a motivational feeling to get us to reach out towards those who can replenish us. Yeah those who can encourage us, those who can attend to us. But if you don't admit the need, ask, you can't get the need met. It's true. You can't receive what you don't ask for. And we as Christians so often are really ashamed and prideful about the ones being in need. Do you know? Yeah. So sadness is a feeling that tells you that you've lost something that matters to you. So we're called to grieve. Yeah, and uh, fear is a feeling that tells us to reach out because we're anticipating danger. We need help. Yeah, and this is not anti-Christian.
2: Yeah,
4: this is this is ancient Christianity.
2: Yeah,
4: I mean the Psalms are full of cry out, reach out, take in. For sure, cry out reach, which means sadness and hurt and loneliness and celebration and joy. Yeah, and fear and yes. anger. Yeah. motivational anger, you know, yeah, so that's great. That's a bit much, but we're no, called. no, no.
0: That's, I always say people don't listen to this podcast to hear me. They want to hear the guest. And uh, especially when they have wisdom, like an insight like you have. So it, that's, it's phenomenal. You, you talked about relationships and more need, the need for relationships. Do we find healing in those relationships from our wounds or, cause I think in, at least in my experience, some of the the wounds that hurt the most are the people that are closest to you. And so if you're hurt by somebody and then you kind of go in the defensive, um, but then can you find healing from those wounds also in other relationships and in those types of relationships?
4: Yes. You know that, that the beginning of healing for anyone is the admission of a, of a hurt. Hmm. You know, if you go, if somebody comes to you, one of your patients comes to you and first you go, where are you hurting? Yeah. And if, if they say, well, just sort of somewhere, yeah. you've got nothing to do <laughs> except start guessing more. Yeah. But the closer I can come to admitting my pain, yeah. the closer someone can come to helping me heal the pain. Hmm. I mean, it's just basic common sense. Yeah. But if you can admit a feeling, and most of our wounds are not physical. Hmm. Most of our wounds are wounds of the heart. And hurt, if it's not addressed, turns into defensiveness, uh, resentment, uh, pride, um, uh, uh, blame, and revenge seeking. We become like passive aggressive and mean and deny their own needs uh, and get back at people. So admitting hurt is the beginning of healing, which allows you to return to sensitivity. Hmm. And sensitivity is, is allowing your heart to be all in without defenses, which is yeah. courage. Yeah. So, unless you attend to your hurts and get them healed, you can't return to the battlefield with courage. Yeah. And so, healing often occurs um, through the help of other people. Mm-hmm. And very often in marriages, the help. Men need to go to men to talk about their struggles in marriage Hmm. to say, these are the feelings I'm having. And they need to go to men who know what it's like to struggle. Hmm. Don't go to the perfect guy who has all the answers. (laughs) That's a dangerous guy. (laughs) You know, go go to that guy you know knows (laughs) and has something you're looking for, which means seems to have what what you need. So you seek help, you get assistance, he helps you get back into your whole self, your sanity, which means your heart and head are connected. Yeah. And then you go home and start talking about, look, I have struggled and I struggle with your wife. I struggle with hurt and I, I'm afraid to tell you, or I've been hurting because I'm walking in loneliness and I see you as removed from me and I'm scared you're, you're leaving. I'm scared hmm. that something's that you've let you leaving me, that, hmm. that I can't seem to do it right. So What's going on with you, you know, Lucy right. or Zelda? And women need to go to women. Yeah. Now, it, what happens is if a man goes to a woman instead of his spouse, trouble is going to occur. Hmm. Men understand men's hurt. Women understand women's hurt and, and not vice versa at first. That's, good. That's a good word. Yes. But, but, but so the, the, the heart of admission becomes the heart of connection in the marriage. Wow. Okay, and and listen, these are tough times, and a man who is trusting only his marriage and not other men is foolish. Hmm. We need other people. Yeah, and and the more prideful we become about uh, being in trouble or struggling or being in need, the more the more harmed our marriages will be because we're not made to live alone in the marriage.
2: Yeah, it's a good word.
4: Your spouse can't carry everything.
0: No and so where do where does a guy or if you you mentioned male or female, where do they find that courage to reach out to another man because you one of the things in your book you talk about um, we would rather live in a strain of intensity and self reliance rather than a courageous work of intimacy and what I hear you say, <laughs> Sharon is this to be vulnerable and open. And that's, that's an intimate relationship. It's, and, um, but we'd rather be self-reliant. And so yeah. can you unpack that a little bit for us?
4: Yeah. You know, uh, a, a missionary, um, well, let me say it this way that, you know, Isaiah twenty nine thirteen talks about how the people uh, speak to me, they, they, they come to me with their mouths and they, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Yeah. If we go to the New Testament, And we look at courageous moments in the New Testament. Let's just say uh, the bleeding woman Hmm. uh, from the book of Mark. Yeah. Right. Uh, Or Bartimaeus, the blind man from the book of Mark. Uh, These are uh, acts of courage. Yeah. Let's just stick with the bleeding woman for a moment. But she had had to bleed for 12 years. She was suffering. She was isolated. She was literally quarantined. Yeah. Uh, she couldn't touch her grandchildren. She couldn't see her, anyone. And because we're created from a relationship, you can imagine what her solitary confinement was.
2: Yeah.
4: And finally, one day, it's like she tried everything. Jesus had come to town. A horde of people are bumping against him like he's a rock star. <laughs> she says, if I could just touch his clothing, perhaps I could receive a miracle. So she brought her need. Yeah. Her feelings, her desire, her longings, and her hope. She brought her heart to her sternum. She cried out. She reached out to take something in. She kind of snuck in there somehow and barely touched his robe. And then Jesus stops. Right. Yeah. He said somebody touched me. And then the people around him are going like, hey, hey, "Hey, everybody's touching you." But <laughs> he said, "He said no. Someone." drew from me. Someone received me. Someone was touched back who touched me. Well, what did she touch him with that other people weren't? She touched him with her full-hearted participation, Hmm. which started out with her admission of need. And she used, she, she knew the words of struggle And the the words of struggle, uh, fear, sad, hurt, lonely, shame, guilt, and gladness and anger, those feelings turned into motivational movement. Hmm. And then she reached out with that, and what did she get? She touched by God Almighty, the healer. And he looked for her. He said, no, 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 somebody really touched me. And she, she threw herself before him because she knew that she had been made well. Yeah. And healed both. Yeah. And uh, she said, I, I, I did it. And he called this old woman, probably an old woman. He called her daughter. Yeah. Like, I, your father, am hmm. now adopting you. I mean, and that was a courageous moment. But see, that's what we do everything we can to avoid, hmm. to admit that we're bleeding. Hmm. And Bartimaeus, the blind man, had been blind forever. He, he sat there at that pool waiting, waiting, waiting. Nothing ever happened. He was resigned to his fate. Then he starts screaming, Jesus, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, all the people around Jesus told him, shut up. Shut up, you old fool. And then what's amazing was Jesus stopped and said, who is that yelling? Yeah. Tell him to come here. And then Jesus said, said to him, after Bartimaeus was standing in front of him, Aaron, and, and you, you've lived where you've lived for a while, and blind people look blind. They're not yeah. American sanitized, right? Yeah. Madagascar, right. Israel, right it's really obvious. Yeah. So there's this blind man standing in front of Jesus and Jesus looks at him. It's real obvious. He's blind says, what do you want? Mm. What do you need from me? Well, it's pretty obvious. And I can see the people around Jesus going like, please seriously, just zap him and let's go. Right. Let's do it. But instead he, he asked for his heart, Aaron Bartimaeus was, was expected to present his need to Jesus that was, was located through feelings. He was like lost and lonely and hurting and sad. And he said, I want to see, Yeah. I want to see. And then Jesus says, your faith has healed you. He said that to the, the bleeding woman, your faith has healed you. He said that to the sinful woman in Luke seven, the, probably a prostitute. He said, your faith has healed you. And we have to ask the question, what faith? Yeah. It was their feelings their needs transparently presented the desire of their hearts admitted in spite of all the years of resignation and hopelessness and defeat and despair.
2: Yeah. They
4: dared yeah. one more time to come up for air, so to speak. Yeah. And say, could you, could you? So we get introduced to healing through each other. Yeah. Like we're doing today. We are actually yeah. offering healing. Yeah. And also by making ourselves prepared to meet the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Hmm. And we cannot we cannot receive what we do not have unless we're in need. And guess what? We cannot give what we do not have. So we need to be the first needy people yeah. before we can be the second group of healing people.
0: That's awesome. You know. And so, what I hear you say, and Chip, is then we we have to lead with transparency and authenticity. Would that would that be correct? Because you shared you, yes. you, you need, we need to go to somebody that understands and uh, the perfect people. That it's kind of hard to resonate with somebody who's perfect. When you, <laughs> at least for me, it is. Um, and so that that authenticity is there. Is some barriers that maybe people don't want to because our the world. at Least my opinion is the world we live in now seems to be about perception management. And um, in the sense that I want how people perceive me and I want to put on a certain. But what I hear you saying is to live this intimate um, with intimacy and letting our hearts be known. We have to be willing to be vulnerable and off and and authentic. Is that correct?
4: Yes. And, you know, intimacy really means into into me see. And we have to have we have to pray to God intimately to reveal ourselves, the Psalms. It's a revealing. And then we need to go to trusted others. In other words, people who seem to have what we need or people who are like us, broken to healed, uh, struggling, because the word Israel means to struggle with God and live. Hmm. It doesn't mean to to be perfect and then come to God and show Him what they have done. <laughs> So, so but, but with boundaries, I, I do not take my feelings or my needs to people I do not trust hmm. or people who are in need of what I've came to bring. Hmm. You know, so, so I need to be able to go to the well and gather with people at the well who drink from the water of, you know, of our right. recreation, replenishment. And then I take those buckets out and water others yeah. who can come to the well. So transparency, without a doubt, authenticity for sure, but that requires boundaries. Hmm. And think, think of yourself as like, you know, in the holy of holies of your own life, in the closet of your prayer life, it's you yeah. and God. Yeah. But then outside of the closet are your most intimate people, hmm. the intimacy group, your spouse, your, your male friends or your female friends. But a very small group, like Jesus had an intimate group even among the 12. Yeah. I think it was Peter and John were his, right. his closest. Or Peter, James, and John, perhaps, yeah. but there were like three That's out right. of 12. And then outside that next circle, you got another group that are the people who know your struggles, know your heart, know you, know, you teach and talk related to where you've come from. But it's that second circle that is the great witness of it. And, and hmm. then your spouse and then the Holy of Holies is the full witness of your growth process. That's where you're eating and drinking. So you yeah. can go out and plant seeds. So the circles are concentric. Yeah. And then you get farther out. These people don't have a right to know what you're feeling. Yeah. In fact, don't tell them. because. <laughs> 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 oh, man. We're made to bring healing, but our healing has to come from our, from our replenishment. Yeah. We can't pour out of our emptiness. And by the way, you know, missionaries, uh, doctors, lawyers, you know, on an airplane, if a crisis occurs on an airplane, they will tell you, put the mask. If you're traveling with somebody in need of you, put the mask over your own face first yeah, and then over the face of the other. Because if you're in chaos and you're in crisis, your brain stem is going to immediately react to survival and yeah. you're no help to anyone. You've got to get you and, and then be you so you can give you. That's good. So we've got to address our struggles, our needs. We're no better than Bartimaeus. Yeah. We're no better than the bleeding woman. We're no better than the sinful woman in Luke seven. And yet those people are are or uh, memorialized. Yeah. They are eternal to us. Yeah. These people are 2,000 years ago and they're still talking to us. And that's amazing. It is. It is. Yeah.
0: So what uh, could you just share um, some wisdom for the audience? Maybe is it, with that analogy, it's a great analogy. Maybe there's a husband and wife and they're living in some country and they're there, to, they're there planting the church, but maybe they're a little hesitant to take some time to replenish, recharge um, their marriage and their relationship. What wisdom and advice would you have for maybe a couple that's in, in that type of situation?
4: Yeah. You know, number one, um, you know, I've worked in the addiction field for 30 years. And uh, like you guys out there, you see death yeah. and destruction and despair and darkness yeah. everywhere you look. And yes, you will have victories, Right. Yeah. beautiful, beautiful victories. And those victories, you can tell your, your, your people who donate to your cause. You know, <laughs> but if you present them with all the death and destruction, they're going like, well, are you doing a bad job? And the answer is no. You're, we live in a world of great tragedy. Yeah. So number one, when, when you as a missionary look out at the world and you see the unsaved, you yeah. see the lost, You see the depression and despair, destruction. You see savagery. You see that with a few pennies, a life could change. Hmm. With with $12, someone could have like a a beginning of a home. Yeah. And you know that back in where you came from, it's a place of complaint if the air conditioning isn't, you know, 62 degrees. (laughs) People go crazy or if they can't find their phone. Yeah. So number one, you, you've got to be good at grief. Yeah. And you've got to be good at, at seeing that that the world is a tragic place. Hmm. And it is a place, the world is a place of sorrow. So that's number one. Number two is you're gonna have to face that you're not God. Hmm. You're just not God. And meaning that you 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 have the freedom to bring your whole self to the God you're not. Wow. And, 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 and do what the prophet's expertise was, complaining. Yeah. The prophet's expertise was in complaint. So it's okay for you to look at the world you're working in and turn around and complain to God. Hmm. To be in your sorrow and to be in your grief and to cry out for um, a, a change and difference and strength. Okay. But because of where you live and because of what you see, you're going to be tireder than other people because of where you live and because of what you see, you're going to need more water than other people. Yeah. Because of where you live and what you see, you're going to be hungrier for, for something than other people. Yeah. So a missionary has a greater responsibility to know his or her heart than other people. Hmm. I mean, this is a big deal, Aaron. Yeah. So quite the converse, it's not just the people you serve that are in need. It's you needing to stay strong to be able to serve the people who need you. That's true. That's and that true. means you, you've got to stop and rest and replenish. And that's the good news about this terrible instrument called the computer and media, <laughs> is that we can actually talk to each other. I mean, I'm in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Nobody's ever heard of it, you know? <laughs> Most people here can't spell Madagascar. But... But the reality is that we have these instruments that we can get online and we can you know find the wells yeah, and then we can take them to our marriages and and, and we can do renewed prayers. <clears throat> we don't need to have to be strong for the other person, we need to be truthful with the other person, and then that makes us strong because we can be trusted when we're truthful hmm. like. I'm struggling, I'm lonely, I'm hurting. And then, you know, my spouse can say to me, then let's go to prayer. Or like, I'm hurting and I'm struggling too. I'm tired. Sometimes I wonder what the point is. And then he can say or she can say, what are you feeling?
3: Hmm. I'm
4: feeling lonely. I'm feeling hurt. Well then, let's let's get on the internet. Let's hook up to connect with like Barnabas or let's hook, connect with replenishing resources. Let's get on errands. Podcast and listen to that uh, Dr. Chip Dodd guy. That's right. Let's, let's get the voice of the heart book and start reading about what we forgot. Yeah. Because, I mean, we live in cultures all over this world that is profoundly against the heart being confessed. Hmm. And when I use the word confessed, I mean to agree that I'm human, I'm not God. And God has given us a language of confession, Aaron, and we literally spend our lives running away from it. Feeling sad or hurt or lonely, and admitting it, and then getting with others to pray for us and and bring healing to us, and bringing our complaints and our hungers and our thrills to God openly too, yeah, so he yeah. can join us in relationship
0: so why do you 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 shared a few things and and I know we're running out of time, but the you said we can be trusted when we're when we're truthful. But we see that's in the day and age we live in. It doesn't seem, it seems like people, were, I don't know, it, it, we're less than truthful. And then the other thing is that, that we're running from confession when confession is what brings healing. Are those two things linked? And yes. why, do you th- why do you think that we, with your experience and all the wisdom that you have over these many years working with people, if those are the, why do we run from those two, two things that can provide so much healing for us and hope?
4: Yeah, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? But our upbringings um, have trained us, tragically, that we, we, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, we know we're born crying out, reaching out, and taking in. We're called to crave. And Jesus says, like I say, Matthew 7, hey, when you grow up, you don't leave how I made you behind. You get better at it. In other words, you know what to do with your feelings and your needs. You ask. You know what to do with your, your mission-minded wanting to make a difference in the world you seek. You know what you need to do when you're hungry and thirsty. You knock on the door, yeah. right? So, so what's amazing is we leave behind. But we are raised in our cultures <clears throat> that instead of maintaining truth, being truthful and confessional, we end up being mocked for not uh, being stronger than human. Hmm. So Most of us are trained to climb the ladder of success and by becoming independent, rejecting our dependency upon others and God. Hmm. So independent from being human. Yeah. And then we also, uh, we're trained to become a realistic. Yeah. Hey, you know, hey, this is crude, but hey, life's a crap sandwich. Yeah. Hey, you can eat it or starve. Yeah. Now deal with that. You know, don't get your hopes up and that way you won't be so disappointed. Right. You can put jelly on the sandwich and it'll be better. You need to be thankful that that you've got as much as you've got and don't yeah. want any more. But see, missionaries are going because they want more. Yeah. They want more. So if you can't if you're not good at depending and wanting, then you don't need to be in the mission field. Hmm. I mean, you don't need to be in the medical field. You don't need to be in the legal field. You don't need to be in the addiction addiction field. You don't need yeah. to get behind the pulpit. Yeah. You know. So anyway, so we're trained to become independent, realistic, which means reject the truth of how we're made. Hmm. I mean, it may be true that you're made to feel in need and desire and long, but look at where you live, dude. Yeah. You know, in the ghetto, it's like, hey, you know what? You can hope all day long. Yeah. Then you just shut your mouth and go, go, uh, uh, you know, quit, quit caring. Yeah. You're better off. So then we're we're also trained to become powerful instead of being fully present. Okay, because we think power comes from denying our feelings. You, If you say you're afraid, you're vulnerable, and that's going to get you hurt, so shut your mouth. But it turns out that Joshua's, Moses's Joshua, yeah. was only kept strong by knowing when he was afraid and going to the tent of yeah. meeting where God would strengthen him. That's good word. So, So it's amazing how... We've been fooled into believing that strength and courage comes from our, our, that we make it Yeah. instead of we open our hands to receive it. Hmm. God does for us. There are four promises that God has given us that the missionary will become tired by trying to um, meet them himself. One is that God is with us. Hmm. Well, then if God is with us, then we can talk to him in any way necessary with the truth. Number two is that God goes ahead of us, which means that he already knows, because that's one of his promises, that he already knows. So when we look around in our lives tomorrow, we can actually say, what are you doing? I thought you were going ahead of me. (laughs) I really really had a lot different idea what it was going to be like. We need to be able to yield to what's happening and ask what is life teaching me instead of what is life doing to me. Wow. Number three is we need to know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. Therefore, when we're not experiencing his presence, we need to ask where he went. Hmm. And we, you know, like, mama, mama, daddy, where'd you go? So that's yeah. needy. A yeah. child wakes up in the dark. Yeah. And number four is that, that God will make us strong and courageous. Hmm. Well, God does it. We don't do it ourselves. And, it, and we have our bucket of courage refilled by being needy. Just the opposite of the way we were trained. That's true. So so instead of asking the question, how am I doing? Yeah. Which means comparing ourselves to the outside world. I need to ask myself, what am I doing? Hmm. And tell the truth about what I see in the mirror. Wow. Which means, what am I feeling? What am I needing? What What am I desiring? Yeah. When did my craving for change and craving for life fulfillment turn into just lust and giving up? Because lust is an attempt to get my the needs of my life met without having to be needy. Wow. And a lot of people in the mission field finally give up and go to lust. Yeah. Wow. You know?
0: Chip, I've only scratched the surface on the questions I had for you, and I could talk oh, to man, you. I mean, I love it.
4: talking to you. and I. Oh. I, 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 I
0: I would love to have you back if you would consider it. And um, I don't want to put you on the spot, so you have to respond today. But I would love to have you back on the podcast. And um,
4: Well, let me tell you this, Aaron. I would love to do it because when I left uh, the addictions field uh, a year and a half ago, Mm. I uh, uh, let go of the company I started. And I believe my rest of my life is called to advance wellness. Yeah. And it turns out that as I started ChipDodd.com, Yeah most of my work has been with the church. Wow. And um, the, the great church, the yeah. big church. That's awesome. Um, so I would love to speak with you again. And yeah. um, But I have to admit that somebody told me, Sonia, uh, my wife, says, yeah. uh, it's like your donkey from Shrek. You just keep on and on. <laughs> <laughs> it's partially Shrek. Somebody else said it's more like you get in the car with a chip, and you go somewhere, and he releases ten thousand butterflies in the car.
0: <laughs> but here's the here's the reality of it. The reality of it is, when you're sharing, it's it's speaking to our hearts, and um and it's it's phenomenal. It's insightful. It's impactful, and um, it's challenging. And um, and in this day and age, that's what I really appreciate it because you're you're. It, it's not theory you're taking the, where we are in, re, in reality, what the world is telling us, what the Bible is, is, is we know in the Bible, and you're bringing that together to a place yes. that we can grow and understand, recognizing yes. our heart, recognizing our brain and um, recognizing our calling. So yeah, this
4: isn't theory. And yeah. you know, our, our frontal lobes, our thinking brains as a person thinks in his or her heart is the person, our thinking brains are mainly intended to articulate the, the experiences of the heart. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're made to do. So, you know, I, I appreciate it, Aaron, what you're doing. And, and The Voice of the Heart is an important book uh, yeah. it written some time ago, but it's all over the world. Uh, the publishers uh, aren't as interested in it as people all over the world who are in need are interested in it. Yeah. So I really recommend your listeners getting that book, The Voice of the Heart. That's the- book.
0: Yeah, and that's the advantage of Kindle or whatever the electronic. You know, I mean, I could just click on. I heard it, clicked on, download it, and I was re- I had read it in, in in three days, and have went back and read it again. Um, but that's the advantage of technology and um, the beauty of it. So, Chip, would you pray for us today? Will you pray yes, that the about. wisdom and insight that you shared today will not just be intellectual things that we've heard, but these will these will be things that we've been challenged by, and we'll we'll pray to God and ask Him that. We We will put these things in action, that we can be people of intimacy and relationship that will recognize our need for relationship and our our recognize our need, as you said, to have that inner circle of people with our wife and and maybe guys or wife or husband and and female friends. And um, we will have intimate relationships so that we can be people of health and resilience.
4: Yeah, I certainly will. Uh, uh, Father uh, Abba. I'm so, so grateful to get to uh, be with Aaron today and so grateful that he sought me out and found me because, um, frankly, I I sit on ready um, to uh, share and speak something, as Aaron said, it's not theory. It's not intellectual, uh, more intellectual information that um, doesn't serve us as we really need, doesn't meet us where we're made, doesn't fill our hearts as much, you know, like we need our stomachs filled. Our hearts are made to be touched and filled like our stomachs, but we've got to eat at your table. We've got to eat the food that you've given us and we need to bring how we're made to you and we're made to be uh, feeling creatures who sometimes get lonely and sad. You've given us the tools to, to confess and be good at being human. And so we can meet you as a great and good God. I know, Lord, that in so many ways there are people who may hear this podcast, and I pray that their hearts are pricked to find out more. Because, Lord, the the people who are in all of these foreign worlds are also wanting so much for the people around them. We cannot give what we do not have. So I pray that the hurting be healed, that the sadness come to acceptance, that the loneliness be met in intimacy and friendship, that the fear turn to faith. I pray that all the missionaries uh, continue to be awakened in heart so that they can get their needs met, that they find that, that because we're created as relational creatures, we need to be the first people in need of relationship. So we can give what we have. And I pray for strength and restoration. I pray for the people who are, whose hearts are pricked by this, that they'll reach out, find more. That they will also face that we are created as relational creatures, created as emotional and spiritual creatures. We're created to live fully. Everything that has DNA is seeking fulfillment. And Lord, we can't find fulfillment unless we're living in intimacy relationship with you and others. But to do that, we have to bring ourselves to it. We have to bring the expertise of confession to own that we agree that we're all human. And then we get with other humans who are good at being human. And we can tell the truth to each other, whether it's the smile that encourages or the prayer that touches or the trust that actually uh, helps us know that if we fall, there's someone there to pick us up. So I pray for everyone that Aaron is serving, and I pray that this podcast be a great service to others out there who are serving a world in need. Every missionary is greatly gifted, and there is a world in need, but I pray that the gifts continue to be grown so that they can feed more people. It's in your name we pray, Jesus, and I thank you. Amen.